We're going to have a, it's a good day. Um, we're just going to pick up, I don't know if you've noticed, but the last three Sundays have been about a prosperous soul, what it means to have a prosperous soul. The first Sunday we talked about finances. Remember, we, we, we even talked about budgets and we talked about stewarding. We talked about mammon and we talked about being greedy, but being a good steward. We talked about all that stuff. Then the next week we talked about a prosperous soul, what that looks like, that we can prosper in any situation of life. Are you all okay? This is a halftime show. Should we wait? Are you all at the concession stands coming back to your seats? Is that <laughs> so we talked about you can prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers in every season of life. That that's actually the key to prosperity is I can do wealthy, I can do poor. I can do all my dreams are coming true. I can do, it seems like nothing's working because of Christ in me, I can do all things. That's what a prosperous soul is. Then last week, Matt hit, hit it on the head about how church, uh, the church is supposed to have a specific reputation on the earth. And that reputation is supposed to be one of love and of wisdom. And that at this present state, the world has rejected the church because we're not loving and we're not being excellent as we should be in our love toward them. And he talks about four points that are for us and four points that are for the world. Simple things as smiling, caring, giving a rip. I like how giving a rip, caring about what they care about. He talked about being good workers. That's what a prosperous soul is. And today I want to pick it up and I want to carry it even further in this theme of a prosperous soul. And I don't know if you know this for sure, if you're aware, you, you've probably heard us say it, but we have like foundational cultures that we believe in here. And they go from like the, a kingdom culture, a prophetic culture, a culture of prayer, a culture of worship, a culture of honor, a culture of generosity. Well, we're adding a new one, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. But I want to pray, and I want to just, I'm going to slow my motor down and just relax and get into this. So, Father, we love you. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for the testimonies we hear every week of your impact and your, your activity in our lives. And we thank you for that. You're a good father. You're a good God. <clears throat> and we trust you. I pray today that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So this next foundation culture, we're actually changing it. We've, 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 we've added one and paired it up and added this new one, and it's a culture of joy. Ah, yeah, of joy, right there, like that. A culture of joy. How many want to have a church that's happy? Like that song that played during the dad video, that's how I want our church to feel. Dun, 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 dun. It just makes you kind of want to be light and bouncy. And like it, it made me happy listening to the song, didn't it? They could have put anything on the screen they wanted, but the music was happy, right? I want Fire Life Church, I want everyone that's connected to Fire Life Church to be that song everywhere we go. Happy song. Happy song. I want people to want to be around us. Matt talked about this some last week as well, that a lot of people don't really like Christians because we're not fun to be around sometimes. And I, Monday or something, I went to lunch with Mandy, and we went, we went to lunch somewhere. We're sitting next to some people, and they weren't believers. Just I'm being a judge. I'm sorry. But they didn't seem to be believers or followers of Christ, right? And I sent Matt a text. I said, well, Christians haven't cornered the market on grumpiness because <laughs> these people are pretty grumpy. So unbelievers are pretty grumpy too, right? Um, but we want to have a reputation on the earth of being full of joy, happy, not fake, like authentic. Like, okay, yes, this is really bad right now. But you know what? I'm happy anyway, and I'm choosing joy because it is a choice to be joyful. It's like you put on joy. Put on a garment of praise for a what? Spirit of heaviness. It is an activity that we actually have to do. We put on joy. 
We put on happiness. I don't mean fake smiles. We should smile more, even if it's fake. Fake until it's real, and we should smile more. But I don't mean fake smiles. I don't mean, I don't mean putting off this front that we're happy. I mean really letting God touch our soul to where we're full of joy, overflowing with joy, the happiest people to be around. See, unfortunately, we've allowed this thing called religion, and we talk about religion so much, you almost, you almost hear we talk about religion so much, you almost turn it off. Like, I know religion's bad. It's about relationship, not religion. I know all that. It's, yes, we talk about it a lot. That is absolutely true. Because what happened is we fall in love through relationship. We chose to be followers of Christ, not because we said, oh, I want to sign up for that club. We fell in love with him. Am I telling the truth? Are you all okay? Like, you chose Jesus, not because the club looks so cool to join. Let's be honest. Most of us chose Jesus regardless of what we thought about the church at the time. But we're like, man, I just need Jesus. I like that guy, right? And then we dealt with the church and the people that come with the church as we moved along. Am I telling the truth? But we didn't choose religion because it looked so great and glamorous. We did it because we fell in love with this man named Jesus. And then somewhere along the line, we forget how we got into this whole thing in the beginning was through loving this man named Jesus, and we put all these things in place of loving Jesus. And we say, well, this is what it looks like to love Jesus, so I'm just going to skip the relationship, and I'm just going to try to do those things so everyone thinks that I love Jesus. That's what religion is. And you know what religion does? It kills the joy in the house. It absolutely smothers the joy that's in our heart. I'm just going to go for it today because this, this feels... Manny and I have been talking about this for a few months that we have to figure out to make church and to make following Jesus the most happy thing a person can be part of. Amen? So religion comes and makes us miserable because religion allows the thief in. And what's the thief do? He kills, steals, and destroys. We give him access through, through the law. Through the law, we give him access to steal what belongs to us and what belongs to the Lord. It's John 10.10. But Jesus said, I came to give you what? What kind of life? Abundant life. Now, let me ask you this question. If God says he came to give us something abundant, and he's using the word abundant, what does that word mean to God? Think for a second. If God chooses his words carefully, and I believe he did all through time, He chooses his words very carefully. He says exactly what he means. He's a wordsmith. He's brilliant. He finds the right word to use. And he says, how can I describe the life that Jesus came to give? Abundantly. Now, when I say abundantly, my definition is probably a lot smaller in scope than when God uses the word abundantly. When I say, man, I'm going to give my kids an abundance of toys, there is a limit to my abundance. It's abundant for me. But God chose the word abundant from his point of reference, which is limitless. Which means you can have as much life, as much joy, as much happiness, as much peace as you desire because he says it's abundant. And if God says something is abundant, it's abundant. I mean, how many stars are there in the sky? How many stars did God need? How much ocean did we need? How many different various animals do we really need 
to think, man, God's a great creator. But he does things in such extravagance and such abundance. And that's the word he chose to tell us that when you believe in me, you will have this kind of life, abundant life, excessive, extravagant life in me, so full of joy and overflowing. Amen? Y'all hear? So remember, there's a pattern in the kingdom. He's in us for us, good, and he's on us for others. So if we fall into this trap of religion and it begins to kill the joy that's inside of us and make us miserable, then guess what we will do for others? We will make them miserable and we will look for ways to stamp out any joy that they have inside of them because our job is to make disciples and the way we are being discipled is the way we will disciple and treat others. Y'all believe that to be true. It's, a pa- it's the kingdom pattern. It starts here, and then out of our belly will flow a river of living water. The way I relate to God is the way I will portray God. The way I serve God is the way I will portray you should serve God. The way I love Him is the way I will expect others to love Him. And when we allow religion or the cares of life or worries to come in and kill the joy that's inside of us, then the church spreads its joy-killing ability all over the earth when we're really supposed to spread joy. Are you all okay? Let me ask this question because I'm just going to dig today because I, I, I feel like we need to. What dominates the conversation of Christians? What are our conversations mostly like? Are they happy conversations? Or are they serious? Why so serious? Serious conversations. Well, we need to be serious about the Lord. I agree. I'm one of the most serious people. I'm talking about joy right now, and I still have a serious thing. I'm a serious, intense person. I just am. But what are our conversations like? Do we debate? Do we talk? Do we share? Do we hold each other accountable? Do we do all these things that sound really crazy to the world? Like, man, we just do relationship. I don't have an agenda when I hang out with my friends. I just go hang out with them, right? But the church somehow has, has forgotten our first love. And we've forgotten the abundant life that Jesus came to give and the joy that comes with it. We should be marked by excessive joy. Amen. I'm going to stop there and we'll keep moving. So if he's in us for us, he's on us for others. The, the, the lack of joy or the joy killing that we may do internally will move to the outside. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 15, of the Pharisees or the religious people, right? The teachers of the law. Woe to you. Uh, don't you know, if Jesus ever looks at you and says, woe to you, you're in trouble. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. And then he follows up with a slap. You're hypocrites. He took off his glove and British slapped him. You hypocrites slapped him across the face. He says, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. You send missionaries all over the entire globe just looking for one person to make a convert to your religion to your thinking, to your way of uh, communicating toward God. And when you find that convert, when you have succeeded, you make them twice a child of the devil as you are. Whoa. What? (laughs) He's saying 
the religion thing inside of you, the lack of life, the lack of joy, the judgmental attitude by which you see the entire world and you see yourself has caused you to go over land and sea to make converts. And then when you succeed in your mission of making converts, you make them twice as bad as you are at this religious thing. You make them miserable. And he says, you're, you're in danger. Don't do that. Romans 14 verse 17 says this. It says, the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but it is righteousness. Everyone say righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom is three parts. Righteousness is one part. Peace is another part. And joy is the other part of the kingdom. And someone says that really well. Two-thirds of the kingdom is emotional. It's something you feel. You feel peace and you feel joy. You should feel the kingdom. Righteousness is an internal thing between you and God. But the other two things are something that you feel. And because if it's in you, others can feel and experience it. But that's the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Everyone say amen to that. I heard this years ago probably 15 years ago now, and, and they, they said, tears are to repentance. All right, follow this step. Tears are to repentance. What does the Bible say? Godly sorrow leads to repentance. In other words, when I feel sorry for the way I have, have related to God and to others, I should feel sorry for that, and I should have tears. I'm not saying you should cry. That's only proof that you've repented. But there is a sorrow that comes when you realize, oh, man, I was wrong there. I shouldn't have done that. Anyone ever felt that before? That's a godly sorrow. It's okay to feel that, but then you move on, right? At some point, you move on from the sorrow. So tears are to repentance what joy is to the kingdom. We used to think in church that the best altar services were where everyone was crying and repenting and coming to Jesus. And those are awesome services. And when remember Brownsville, the Pensacola Brownsville revival, that's what that revival is known for. Man, Steve Hill would get up with the anointing of evangelists. He would tell them that they're going to go to hell if they don't turn their heart towards Jesus. And hundreds of thousands of people cried and wept their way into the kingdom. They repented. But there's more than just tears. There has to be a joy that comes from the repentance. And we get hung up on the tears and the sorrow, and the, the, the feeling bad for this thing. And we have not learned yet how to be converted into the New Testament, the New Covenant. This is now, instead of only being known for tears and sorrow, you should be known for joy. Because when you have fullness of joy, you have the fullness of the kingdom. You want to see the kingdom come alive? You want to see the supernatural take place? We should be full of joy. Because where there's joy, the kingdom is there. Am I telling the truth? It's not the striving and the, oh, we got to lay hands on them and we got to, yeah, I'm all for all that stuff. But you know what will change the atmosphere and the culture more than anything? Joy. Joy. People actually experiencing the joy of the Lord. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we step into this joy that we can't explain, that we don't even know how to give words to it, people will notice it and the kingdom will follow the kingdom will go with us. These signs will follow those who believe. Amen? So tears are to repentance what joy is to the kingdom. Psalm 126 
says this, verse 5 and 6, Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6. It says, those who sow in tears will what? Reap in joy. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you have sown in tears? A lot of tears. Raise your hand. You've sown in tears. A lot of tears. Did you know, and I love this part of the shack, Sarah, you, Holy Spirit in the shack, bottles up the tears, and that's biblical. He bottles up our tears, and they're valuable to God. Now, you've sown in tears, right? How many have reaped in joy? How about, is it in equal measure, tears to joy yet? I want an equal measure of joy from my tears. And I don't, even, I don't want equal. I want abundant joy from my tears. I want abundant joy from my measured tears. My, my dad used to preach, I want double for my trouble. All right. T.D. Jakes, that's a, I want double for it. I want double joy for the sorrow I've experienced. Some of you have gone through a season of pain and sorrow. And God has not left you in that place. And I just, I'm prophesying to you, you're going to sow in double joy. Double joy for you. Double joy. You're going to be the happiest person to be around. And people will be like, I don't understand why they're so happy and fun to be around. Because the joy of the Lord is their strength. I prophesy over you. How many of you have sown in tears and you want some double joy? Father, everyone that just raised their hand, I ask you give them double joy. I want double joy, God. The Bible says it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. So joy brings the glory of the Lord. Psalm, or Proverbs 17, verse 22 says this, A joyful heart is good medicine. Did you, I prophesy this, some of us have had lingering pain and sickness in our body that joy and happiness in our heart is going to take care of. <laughs> Laughter is good medicine. Amen? <clears throat> Everybody still here? All right, we're going to go. We're going we're to dig more and more. See, when we say yes to Jesus... When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to abundant joy. You can't have Jesus without abundant joy. Y'all believe that? <laughs> Hebrews 1.9. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open. I want you to see this with your own eyes. Hebrews 1.9. This is quoted from um, Psalm 45 as well. But in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. I'm going to say it again. When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to abundant joy. Why? Here's the answer. Hebrews 1 verse 9. This is a prophetic declaration over Jesus. The psalmist, David, wrote this as a prophecy over Jesus back in Psalm 45. And he said this. You have loved righteousness and hated what? Wickedness or lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with what? The oil of gladness or the oil of joy. Then what does it say? Above all of your companions. Did you see that? Is that in your Bible too? I'm not making it up, right? That means that God anointed Jesus with joy with a greater measure than anyone else in the history of the world ever had. Jesus had joy more than any of his companions. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. I'm going to be a little bit funny here, but Jesus is always the happiest person in the room because he's like his father. He's fun to be around. So I've taken some pictures from the internet, from the interwebs, 
And I, I want you to look at this just for a second. All right? Are we ready? We good? All right. First one up here. These are images that the world has created of what Jesus is like, what he looks like. There, you got baby Jesus. All right? Pray to sweet baby Jesus. All right? Next one. You got angry Jesus. Yeah, mad Jesus. Now, he can do that too, right? That's the next one. Then you've got sacred heart Jesus. All right? He's being serious right now. All right? Next. I'm watching you, Jesus. I see you over there. I'm disappointed in you, Jesus. Right? <laughs> Next. Then you've got contemplative Jesus. I'm thinking about my father's business. Don't bother me. Don't come near me. Don't approach me. All right? I'm not being sacrilegious. I'm just showing you. You've got praying Jesus. All right? That's a good one. Praying Jesus. And you've got common man Jesus. Just the average carpenter Jesus. Right? And you got the next one. This is what Jesus probably looked like from the history channel or what does that say? Popular Mechanics says this is what Jesus probably looked like. <laughs> the, then you got suffering Jesus, right? In the next one, you got suffering more Jesus with the crown of thorns. You've got dying Jesus next, right? And what's after that? Then you got pretty Jesus. I mean, let's be honest. And you got black Jesus. No one forget black Jesus. Ha ha, funny. Thank you very much. Then you've got Jesus riding back on Air Horse One. Sorry. <laughs> but this is what Jesus looks like. This is the happy Jesus. Do you know why everywhere Jesus went, people wanted to be around him? Because he looked like that everywhere he went. He was the happy Jesus. The kids wanted to hang out with him. How many adults have kids running up to sit around you and listen to you talk? <laughs> but everywhere Jesus went, people wanted to be around him. Sinners wanted to hang out with Jesus. Prostitutes wanted to hang out with Jesus. Tax collectors that were stealing money from people wanted to be around Jesus because he was so full of joy above all of his companions. There was no one around who had the joy that this man had, and they just had to be near him. They had to be in the same place. They just had to lower their friend through the ceiling because if they were in the same room, he would change this friend's life and heal him. They just needed to be around this man. This is Jesus. <laughs> he was fun to be around. I want to look like that. And you cannot fake joy in your eyes. But look at the joy in Jesus' eyes there. The artist, uh, I can't remember who painted it. Um, Pat Smith. Well, I can't read the middle name. Pat Smith, this is one of Bethel's artists, came up with this. And they said, this is the happy Jesus. And the joy that's in his eyes, that's the Jesus we serve. And guess, if we serve him and we love him, he's the one who lives in us, then we should be like him. We should be happy. We should be full of joy. We should not make everything miserable. Did you know you can be holy and happy at the same time? You don't have to be a monk living in the mountains somewhere with no fun around you. You can actually have fun in life and be a follower of Jesus. Because that's who Jesus is. He likes every one of us. He loves all of our expressions. See, I have a weird sense of humor. I usually actually make people uncomfortable when I'm trying to be funny. Man, he's like, you have the weirdest sense of humor. No one knows how to take you. They don't, uh, that's fine. Jesus thinks I'm funny. He likes my jokes. <laughs> he laughs at me. He says, oh, you are so funny. You're so weird, but you are so funny, right? <laughs> he probably rolls his eyes before he does this, but that's what I see. <laughs> 
Oh, there he goes again. No one else gets what he's saying, but I know what you meant. That was a funny one. Ha ha. Thank you, Jesus, because no one else has comforted me. I needed that. I want to be fun. I want to have happiness. Instead of, instead of being known for what we don't do or what we're against, we need to be known for our joy and for our love. Let everyone else figure out what they're for or against in their own place. Can we just love people well? Can we have the fullness of joy inside of us to the point where people actually want to hang out with us? I, I love this. You know, I, I don't mind. I tell myself when I do wrong. I tell myself when I do well. I, there's a Starbucks that I frequent. I actually should own stock in the Starbucks. It's my Starbucks. It even says it in my phone, my Starbucks. It does that for everybody. But see, there's that stupid sense of humor no one gets. That's me. Thank you, Jesus. That was so funny. Thank you. Thank you. But, but they know us there, right? I mean, we've been living there for six or seven years, and I go all the time. And so they know me there. This is my Starbucks. And I have not one time let them know I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. Not one thing. I just, I love all of them there. I know their names. I talk to them when I come in. So one day, not too long ago, they were saying, well, what do you do? What's your job? I was like, I'm a pastor. No way. You're a pastor? Yeah, I'm a pastor. And then you could like, they pulled the other people. Hey, he's a pastor. Yeah, I am. I'm a pastor. And I'm, hopefully I'm fun to be around. And I like to think I am because they give me free drinks all the time. They, when, hey, how's your wife? How's the kids? They're always asking. Why? I want to be full of, I want them to want me to come to their window. I don't want them to be like, oh, great, here comes that guy trying to get free stuff again. He's going to complain they didn't get my coffee right. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> what? Is that you? <laughs> I don't want to be the one that, oh, you get up and go to the counter and you just know, oh, it's not going to be very fun. Look at their face. He's back. He's complaining. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the happy guy that when people see me, like, man, I want to hang out with him. I don't even know anything about this guy. I just want to be out with him. I want my home to be full of joy. We're so serious in my home. It's my fault. I'm a serious guy. We're so serious in my house. I want to laugh more. Mandy and I, for the last two months at least, and I think more so in her than in me, she's, because she's been withdrawn from the church with the baby and stuff for, for time. She's here today, but she's in the nursery again. So she hasn't been, and she's like, I just missed fun. Yeah. She said, back in duo, it was our youth ministry. Why was it successful? Because we had fun. We just, we were stupid, I promise. Y'all see me stage dive. Some of you have been around long enough. You see me do some really stupid stuff. And it's, <laughs> it was fun. Well, I've done some really stupid stuff. I've done some really stupid mistakes. Some of you love me anyway. Thank you so much for lo- looking past who old Jared was. We did, but we had fun. And now we're such good friends. The, the, there's no, like, there's no cast system in duo. Like, we see someone, we run up to, man, it's the old, man, I haven't seen you forever. I love you, man. There's fun. There's camaraderie there because we laugh together. Yeah. And then he's like, we need to have fun again. We need to insert fun. If you notice the last few weeks, we try to change how we open the service with just an icebreaker. It's not a big deal. It's not a huge change. But I want us to laugh more, to tell more about who we are. Yeah, this is the funniest thing that ever happened to me. Why? Because we're fun people. We're fun people. Y'all okay? All right. What was Jesus' first miracle? Where was he when he turned water into wine? At a wedding. How many of you have ever been to a boring wedding reception? Maybe, maybe, because, maybe because it was a church one. <laughs> no offense. Every wedding, and I'm, you know... 
I come from the background, if they bring alcohol, if they start dancing, I'm out of here. I ain't hanging around. I'm too spiritual for this. I'm not hanging out. If they're going to dance, I'm not doing it. I missed out on all the fun. I missed out on the chicken dance. I missed out on the whip and the nene. I missed out on all that stuff, right? I missed out on all of it because I was so spiritual. I even had the tattoo on my back. Very spiritual. (laughs) And, And I thought I was being holy. But you know what I was really doing? I was raining on their parade. But here's Jesus. I was a curmudgeon. That's right. Spell that. I don't know. Here's what Jesus did at a wedding. Hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. Well, I don't drink wine. But they're out of wine, and we were invited guests here. And you can do something about it. Well, it's not my time, woman. (laughs) It's not my time yet. That's what he said. And she says, y'all just do whatever he tells you to do. And Mama stepped in. So what does Jesus do? Turns the water into wine. And for someone who didn't drink wine, he made the best wine that any of these people had ever tasted in their whole life. They came and they were saying, man, usually they use the good stuff first and then give the cheap stuff and water it down later so it saves them money and they can save their good wine for later. But you have saved the best wine for the end of the party. You're the best winemaker, Jesus. He's like, I don't even drink the wine. Here's how he told the story. Jesus is angry in the corner looking at him like, yeah, look at you drinking my wine. I can't believe you guys acting like this. Shame on you. I should not. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus was there at a wedding. He was at a party. He was part of the celebration. He did not allow his personal his personal convictions to take the joy out of the room. He could have stopped the whole party by saying, no, nope, too bad for y'all. Party's over. Go home. Instead, he made wine for a bunch of drunk people as someone who doesn't drink wine himself, and he was so good at it. It was the best they'd ever had. And guess what? Jesus was fun to be around that day. And we have cleaned that story up and we've twisted that story. The fact, the the reason this is important is because it was Jesus' first miracle and he didn't steal the joy out of a room. He brought joy to the room. (laughs) Whoever has the most joy has the most influence. (laughs) The happiest person will have the most influence in a room. I'm closing out. Here's the headline for the sermon. So Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. And guess where we're going? We're going to a wedding. Let me finish that sentence. We are going to a wedding, not a sentencing how many of you ever watched court shows? Anyone ever watched trials in, on the court channel? Or lo- and are sentencings ever fun to watch? Ah, it's miserable. You got the family over here hoping that this person dies, gets the death penalty. Then you've got then you've got some of the family just weeping and crying still. Then you've got the family of the perpetrator pleading for mercy for their son or daughter, whatever. Usually a son pleading for mercy, and it's just terrible. And then the judge is up there going, "I don't like my job." I hate this. This is not fun. I, no one's going to be 
perfectly happy with this decision. Nothing I do can make this situation any better. It's already happened. It's miserable. This is sorrow. This is terrible. And we have sold the world a message that when you say yes to Jesus, then you, you're, you're going to go to a sentencing, but you're going to be okay, but everyone else is not going to be okay at that sentencing. It's going to be a mis- You're going to be on the side over here hoping for the death penalty over there. We're not going to a sentencing. We're going to a wedding banquet. So we've got to right now change our end times thinking that says you're going to a sentencing. We will be judged, every one of us. How many know that's true? I will, you will, every one of us. We tell you, we will stand before God. This is an absolute truth. We will all stand before God, whether we knew him or not. Stand before him and give an account for our life. Every one of us. Just me. Mandy won't be there with me. My sons won't be there. My dad won't be there. My pastor, nobody. I will be there, me and God, and I will give an account for my life. But then after that, he's going to reward me. He's going to reward you, and he's going to say, enter into my joy. Enter into the wedding feast. Wedding. We're not going to a sentencing. We're going to a wedding. Now, do you think we can sell the gospel better with saying, we're going to a wedding? You tell the world they're going to a wedding. The world loves to go to a wedding. It's fun. It's exciting. That's what, it's, that's what we're going to. And it will be a whole lot easier for people to fall in love with that Jesus than all the other Jesuses we show people. Am I telling the truth? Most of you probably don't know who this man is, but his name is Doug Addison. And he's from California. He's crazy, and he's awesome, and he's a prophet. And he's, he's so prophetic, and he's, he's so interesting. And he goes out on Huntington Beach and the boardwalks of California, and he absolutely prophesies over people on, based on their tattoos. They will walk by, and he will say, man, I love your tattoo. Like, yeah. He'll say, what, what did it mean? What did it mean to you when you got it? Why did you get it? And they'll say, well, I got it because of this and blah, blah, He'll go, you know what? God says you got it for this reason. And they'll give their heart to the Lord because they'll prophesy over them over their tattoos. This guy. He's so happy. He's fun. Fun to be around. And recently, <clears throat> he gives a prophetic word. Some of you may follow the Elijah list. Have you ever heard of the Elijah list? I know a few of you have. And he gave a prophetic word on Elijah list. And this was just from last week. It was, it was printed on here. And he says, I am very excited about what God is speaking for the next seven weeks as well as the next six months. So from up to seven weeks to six months, God is doing something new. He said he had an encounter on May 31st, 2017 and was shown that there was a new gate opening into the spiritual realm. And I, I didn't know this. I had not read this. I'll be honest. Usually when I get Elijah list, I'm like, okay, and then I just delete it. I don't, I don't have time to read a lot of emails, to be honest. And Mandy and I are talking this week, and she goes, did you read the Doug Addison prophecy? I was like, no, had no idea. Already planning to, to speak on this message, had no idea. And this is what he said. There's a new gate opening in the spiritual realm, and the name on the gate is joy. And I said, babe, send that to me. I've got to put that in my notes for Sunday. I'm going to close out with that. God is saying over the next seven weeks to the next six months, he's opening a new gate, a new opening, an uh, opening into heaven, and the name on it is joy. How many want joy? How many want double joy? Full of joy, overflowing joy, abundant joy. Not my definition of abundant, his definition of abundance. I want the oil of gladness and joy to be poured over me above all my companions. 
I want us to begin to compete with one another who can be the most joyful, the most happy. Hebrews tells us to stir one another on towards good deeds. Let's stir one another on toward happiness, to joy. We did this thing at the bridge for a while, um, and we said, I noticed that. It's just the thing we said, I noticed that. And when someone would do a good deed, when someone would do something, when other people weren't looking, but we saw it, we'd go to them and say, I saw you open that door. That was, that was really kind of you. I noticed that. Or we see our kids at home do something nice instead of mean to their brother. Hey, I noticed that. Good job. And what is that doing? It's creating a culture of doing good deeds. So here's the new, new thing. You see someone happy and full of joy, sharing a smile, being exceptionally joyful, bringing joy to her. And once you go, say, I noticed that. You're so full of joy. Would you pray for me and give me some of your joy? How many want to do that? Here's how we're going to close. Let's just go ahead and stand. <coughs> What's the point? Well, the point is the world is changing crazy fast. I don't know if you noticed that. Technology, everything else, this is happening very fast. And the church is always slow in technology and the times. Did you guys know that? True? We're always behind the times a little bit. But we cannot afford to be behind the times in joy. When sorrow comes, when the things the Bible says are going to happen, happen, when things do get worse... There has to be a safe place that people can run to where there's joy. There has to be a sanctuary. A sanctuary of joy. A sanctuary of acceptance of love that people can say, I know where to go. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. What does the Bible say? If my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. We have to be that place where people know they can encounter the rock that's higher than them. They can lift them up from their pain into joy. What's the old children's church song? If you want joy, you must laugh for it, jump for it. We used to do the whole thing. But I want us to do something. It's a prophetic act. How many want joy? This, if this is you, you're going to participate, yeah? I want joy. I want you to put your hand on your belly, and I want you to pray, and then we're going to practice laughing. There you go. <laughs> Already started. Good. You're ahead of me. I've got to catch up. Competition's healthy. I want us to pray. I want you to pray as well. I'll lead here, but I'd love for you to join and pray out loud. You don't have to yell if you don't want to or be loud. But ask the Lord for a double portion of joy. <clears throat> yeah, Father, we love you. And we know you're full of joy. You're abundantly full of happiness and joy. And we ask you today. I ask for a double portion of joy in me. <laughs> Teach us to have joy. Help us to let go and have joy in our lives. A double portion. For those that have gone through sorrow, of, of, of sowing and sorrow, I pray they would reap in double joy in Jesus' name. Declare this right now. All right, now you can start practicing laughing whenever you want. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Because <laughs> I want joy. I want joy. <laughs> How come it feels so weird to do it? Really? If I said everyone in here be angry, we could all do that. Oh, I wouldn't feel as stupid being angry. 
And then we laugh. How stupid do we look when we're angry? But for some reason, it's so weird to be happy. Let's make it not weird to be happy and full of joy. Amen? This is going to be a culture. We're going to do more things to help us laugh. It's okay. Watch a funny movie with the family today to laugh. We have some, some of our favorite. One of them is Here Comes the Boom. Anyone seen that movie? Kevin James? Man, I, I love that movie because it makes us laugh as a family. It's great. It's hilarious. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's very funny. Very, very funny. I see this in two times. <laughs> see? <laughs> All right. That's the homework. Laugh. Be full of joy. Experience it. it look, look up scripture on joy, right? <clears throat> Y'all remember Al Fury? I'm cl- I promise I'm done. We're going to pray for salvation, for healing, for freedom. If you want it, come to these banners in just a second. Someone will meet you here, and we'll pray because God does these things every day, all the time. He wants to do it. He's faithful. But about, I don't know, probably 12 or 14 years ago, somewhere in there, I'm terrible with time, Al Fury prophesied over me. And he said, you're going to awaken in the middle of the night with laughter, with holy laughter, with joy. And that did not happen for a long time until just a couple of years ago. Man, he said, I woke up in the middle of the night, I woke myself up, and I was laughing, belly laughing, the kind of laughing that just, you burn calories when you do it, right? Real laughing. And I just pray that God will begin to wake us, wake us up with laughter. It's good medicine. When we laugh, we're going to be healed our relationships are going to be healed. Our sorrow is going to be turned to joy. Yes, Father, I ask you seal this thing. And we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would come with joy. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. I ask that you release joy over us in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Father's Day. We want to pray with you if you want to. And be blessed and be happy.